Right, chaps, we're in the Wiggly sitting room on the Wiggly sofas and I've asked you both to prepare and describe the Wiggly podcast in great detail to our new listeners without being boring. So off you go, Richard. <laughs> prepare. When did you ask us to prepare? All of ten minutes ago, oh, now okay. crack on. Okay, the Wiggly podcast. Well, when I explain the Wiggly podcast to people, I always say it's an enthusiastic repertoire of lively debate, rural issues, natural history, agriculture and everything that embraces English rural life. I always say it's Wiggly Waffle. Well. Um, Phil. <laughs> well, as you know, I'm, I'm always prepared, and I think that the Wiggly podcast is our best effort at conveying to our listeners how living and working in rural Herefordshire is and our thoughts on the issues that crop up in that environment. Oh, a bit of celebrating controversy. I love that, don't you? Celebrating, celebrating controversy. controversy. Yeah, yeah. Right, coming up on this week's show... I'm flying away to meet Caroline Drummond, but we're in the airport and get cut off in the middle and we have to go and board the plane. So we'll see how that goes. We've got Peter from Brisbane writing in. We've got Anna Farmery, who's left a My Chingo report. And we have Alison in with Plant of the Week. Do you know which one it is, Rich? Uh, Wooden Enemy. Mm, You like those, don't you? I do. They're fantastic little flowers. And we have her talking about sheep and luck money. But first of all, Phil and I yesterday went to the Leaf AGM and Conference. Up in Edinburgh, yeah, all very exciting, a major logistics problem. I went from Birmingham and Heather had to come from London and it all worked and we ended up in Edinburgh and we had a good day yesterday, didn't we? Yeah, Leaf is linking environment and farming. And so I got to interview the chief executive, Caroline Drummond, mm-hmm. in the airport. Wow. Now, dear listener, you will have heard of Leaf on lots of occasions on the Wiggly podcast and I'm very pleased to have with me in the airport in Edinburgh, Caroline Drummond. And Caroline, give me your title and what you do in Leaf. I'm the chief executive of Leaf and basically it's my responsibility to run the organisation. I've been with the organisation right from the very beginning. Uh, when it was literally a table and a pencil. So I've, I've got a very strong attachment to LEAF and all that we're trying to achieve in terms of really two principal objectives, encouraging good farming practices amongst farmers and obviously getting a better public understanding of farming. Sorry about that, lady. She's saying we should board in a minute, but it doesn't matter. Now, this integrated farming management, explain that as opposed to, say, the other obvious things like organic farming which is easy to understand yes i think when we're looking at trying to make farming more sustainable and you know long term really often people are just think well there's one option which is organic and there's nothing else well actually it's like anything in life there's there's uh, options and opportunities for the majority of people and this is really what integrated farm management is about it's about a farming system that covers the whole of the farm which is unique and different from any other farming system and it embraces not only good farming practices so looking at good care of our natural resources like soil and water but also obviously looking after biodiversity and ultimately communicating
replicating that as well. And that's quite a cool part of the farming system. It's a true environmental management system. And that's really this whole focus of trying to make a future and trying to make a future that can be sustained, really, for farming. And so where integrated farm management comes from, it's very much uh, was an originating from things like integrated pest management, which was looking very specifically at biological control. And now it's developed much more to a, a very flexible farming system, but it builds on the best of the traditional methods, like good rotation, good soil care, good soil testing, and obviously the best of modern technology. And that can include some of the new farming systems that were farming uh, practices that we're seeing, like minimum tillage, which is very light soil management, or it could be things like precision farming which is very high technology for use in farming and looking very very precision using global positioning systems for very precise applications and well, that's when you miss out bits if you've got low yields you actually miss out that um, need to add extra spray exactly yes or it could be that there's an area that's continually low, low yielding so actually it may be more suitable to put to biodiversity and develop it, its potential there rather than actually try and create it to be high-yielding area because it won't work sort of thing. And the first time today I saw the wheel, oh, which yes. I thought was fantastic because not only did it include all those other things that you're talking about, but it also had a community section. Yes. Well, that's, I mean, that's a critical part. I mean, I don't know if anybody's ever been to Cirque du Soleil, but the guys there can juggle ten balls at a time. I have. And, you know, you have. It's great, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. and, and the thing is, that's really what integrated farm management's about, because farmers are juggling at any one time ten different balls, which is, you know, your soil management, animal care, right through to the community issues, as you, as you talk about. But waste management, you know, it's an, an issue that we're all facing. Water quality, looking after crop health, right through to other things like organisation and planning, keeping records and things like that so that's the big sort of juggling ball and and now you know we'll see increasing focus too on energy efficiency now my listeners will be saying but caroline just go for the organic option it's all sorted there so why are you saying that we need to have this different slant on it you know why don't you just join patrick holden get in the soil association and do your bit there I mean, you know, hats off to organic. It's a very strict and very regulated farming system. And, and, you know, we've managed to develop with Leaf Mark the same sort of approach in terms of making sure that you can identify product identity. But I think it would be very simplistic for us to just feel that organic's going to be the only answer. It's in, in its truest form, it is really addressing a very specialised market where people perceive there's not an input on artificial fertilisers and artificial pesticides. Although, you know, there are fertilisers used, there are pesticides used, natural pesticides used. And I think it's, it's important that we actually do create a mix and match of farming systems because we've got this wonderful patchwork of farmland right across the country with different farming types and different farming methods and things like that and if we were trying to impose organic strictly organic on all of that it doesn't work we haven't got the resources to either do it or we haven't really got the the management skills to try and look at what are alternative methods for things like disease in livestock and even you know with organic systems uh, 
you know, as a, as a last resort, they will too use antibiotics and obviously they'll get derogations and things like that. But it's very important we have the facility to use modern technology. After all, most of us, you know, if you have a headache or something like that, you will tend to reach for the paracetamol because that's what modern technology has created to actually deliver something that works. And this is really what's important for us is to make sure that it's, it's not the exclusive right for organic farming to actually say, well, we hold the torch for sustainable farming. It doesn't work like that. It's not a competition. No. And the sustainable options is something that's open for everybody because we can all deliver it. And what's important is that we enthuse enough farmers to want to deliver it. And on top of that, we get consumers to recognise their responsibility because farmers have gone a long way in terms of delivering water quality, in terms of delivering very healthy products, right through to the fabulous biodiversity that you see around the country. You spoke a little bit about what the consumer wants through the week. Can you relate that to um, Wiggly listeners? Yes. Because I really like that challenge because it really is a challenge for all farmers to actually deliver that. Tell us a little bit about that. Basically, I think if we, if we take how things develop and how as consumers we often delegate our responsibility to the supermarkets, but what we're demanding more and more of our food is really like taking the days of the week. And on Monday we want cheap food, on Tuesday we want cheap food and we want quantity. Wednesday we still want cheap food, we want quantity and of course we want quality. Thursday we still want cheap food, we want quantity, quality and we want traceability. By Friday, well hey, we still want quantity, quality, cheapness, traceability, grown for the environment. And we have this continual demand, you know, in terms of new issues that will come. You know, we want addressing things like food miles, packaging and all of this is, is a core part of how farmers are embroiled in this business of creating part of sustainable development and I think what we're trying to do within LEAF is provide some of the solutions in not only the delivery mechanisms for farmers but also for consumers to actually think oh you know I know if I buy say for example the LEAF mark I'm buying from a thinking farmer a farmer who wants a future. And at that point we had to go because it was final call and we were sat at the wrong gate and there'll be more later. Got loads of feedback this week. Peter Stewart said on my blog, I must say I've been listening to your podcast for some time. Really enjoy the humour and information. Unfortunately, I've not been able to find a similar podcast based in Australia. But regardless, a lot of your information is still applicable to my garden. Peter Stewart, and he's in Brisbane. Brizzy. Yeah, and that's where Rach is, I think. Is it? Just at the moment. So uh, I expect she's going to call in, Peter. Yeah, send us your address, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> we'll send Rach over yeah. for, a, for, a a, for a cup of tea. Yeah. Bra- brace yourself, Peter. <laughs> I wondered if we could get some contributions from all over the world, maybe. Once we've got our farm phone set up, yeah. could we have a report from Peter on his garden in, in Australia and perhaps somebody in America, because I know we've got listeners all over the world. Yeah. I listened to you talking about the farm phone last week. I can't quite work out what it is exactly. Ah. Well, nor me quite, because at the moment there's this massive pile of wires in the office with a man called Craig. I've asked him if he's a genius, because I don't see how he's going to sort it out, and he says he's not. Right. So (laughs) I don't know whether we will end up with a farm phone, but the idea is that we've got this new whoop, system, voiceover yeah. internet protocols, which means that it's a hyper wacky wizard 
phone system right. for us at Wiggly Wiggler, so people's details come up on our computer and all sorts of things. But not only that, it means that we've each got a recording device, like a voicemail, but a bit more sophisticated. Right. And one of them will be dedicated to the farm phone, where folk can phone in and say whatever they want to, oh, which really comes out as an MP3 file, which means that it can automatically go bzzz, into our podcast. Right, right, excellent. Got oh, it? That works really well. Yeah, that's <laughs> quite neat. Yeah, so we'll see. But at the moment, there's a big pile of wiggly wires in the wiggly office. Yeah, yeah, I saw Michael inspected them earlier on. I think they'll be all right, because Michael looked as if it was a positive didn't effort. Say, there was nothing, didn't say anything bad, particularly, yes. wasn't particularly disparaging about the whole mm. setup, was he? If you want one of these amazing systems, I think they're less expensive than a normal office phone system. And we've got ours from Gordon Harwood. I don't know the website, but it's Gordon Harwood into Google. So on the note of the farm phone, Hmm. we're now going to play Anna Farmer's comment on my chingo, which you can do on my blog, which is you just press this button, speak, as long as you've got a microphone in your computer, and it records. Hmm. So here it is. Hi, this is Anna from The Engaging Brand, and I've just listened, Heather, to show, I think it was 53, but it was while you were ploughing with Farmer Phil. I was a bit disappointed. You didn't share the great idea that one of my listeners on The Engaging Brand came up with for how to promote your podcast, which I really think the team should vote on. So all I shall say is the weekly team... Will you vote on whether you think the idea with the cow will be a good idea for Heather to do? And I await Show 54 for the response from the team and not Heather. All right then, enjoy your show. Great stuff. Keep it coming and speak to you soon. Well, there we are. Um, Shall we just gloss over that and move on then? (laughs) I think. I think Rich and I have got to vote. What What are you voting on, Phil? What you're about to tell us. Oh, I see. Well, anyway, on show 39 of the Engaging <laughs> Brand, Anna ran a competition for our book on how to promote the Wiggly podcast. And there were some corking ideas from using YouTube, making a viral video, so that'd be fun. Uh-huh. Having an environmental walk through Second Life. Now, I don't understand Second Life, so if any listener understands it, please let us know how it works. Having a Wiggly Wigglers TV programme. Launching a National Wiggly Wigglers Gardening Competition. Thought that was a fantastic idea. And the winner was give away a CD with an environmental connection. So link up with an environmental group or business and give away a CD to promote the Wiggly podcast because so many people don't know what a podcast is. I like that idea. Yes, so moving on then. What was the idea that you're not telling us? (laughs) Right, well there was one ridiculous idea. By the way, the winner was Garrison Power from Florida, but there was one ridiculous idea, and that was for Heather to promote the Wiggly podcast by sitting on a cow, uh, sprayed with the website, and doing an impression of Lady Godiva through the village. So was that... Was that you know what? <laughs> was that Heather sprayed with the website or the cow sprayed the, the with the cow, website? The cow, yeah. But I've explained quite logically that I've got not long enough hair and therefore that would be a ridiculous idea and extremely impractical. And so moving you, on. Your hair doesn't need to be that much longer though, does it? Do I get to supply the cow? 
I think it's a, I think there's mileage in that one. Yes, I thought you might. Anyway, I'm no doubt that we'll have more feedback from the Wiggly team this week. I think that Penguin Quarter might fulfil the task oh, quite well. Be, I think we need Penguin Hole, be. Phil. <laughs> I think that's something to work on. Mm. Yeah. Next bit of feedback, Heather and Gang. That's you, Rich, and you, Farmville. Still listening to your excellent podcast, my ears perked up, especially during episode 53, when I heard you talking about wartime nettle use and cooking with nettles. Farmer Phil entered a whole new realm when he spoke of nettle cuisine. He must be a fan of HFW. HFW. Don't know what HFW means. This is from Podchef. So, Podchef, come in, please. You're going to have to uh, tell us what that is, because I think it might be... Historic Fort Worth, or... Historic Fort Worth. <laughs> High-frequency word, could or... Be, could be Heather's food wants. Or Hauptfeld Webel. Mm, that's the German one. I don't know. Anyway, the main reason this bit of Wiggly Sofa hilarity caught my attention is I've just finished a four-part exploration of the BBC book The Wartime Kitchen and Garden, which a listener of my show sent me. This week's episode of the Gastrocast concluded with a discussion of wartime foraging, national rose syrup and nettles for everything. Imagine my surprise only an hour later while editing the cooking segment photos to hear the Wiggly team adding another dimension to the topic. I've pointed my listeners to your show yet again as being one of the best out there. All the best, Neil and he's Gastrocast. Podchef.motime.com Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Have you read that book? Have you seen that book? There was a TV programme, wasn't there? Because we can learn so much stuff from when times were hard, I think. Yeah. More feedback. Hi, Heather. Now, this feedback's about the cow on the front of the new catalogue. This is from Barbara Hayes, and she says, The cow is real and cool. And the thing is, we've had several customers who don't know what the thing on the front of the catalogue is. And they phoned in. And so Rach has been taking a check of which is the most unusual guess. And there is one customer who is adamant that it is a hedgehog. (laughs) 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 Um, Oh dear. It's slightly unfortunate, not quite sure what to make of that then. Nor me. Could be a prickly old job milking hedgehogs in the morning, I reckon. (laughs) reckon. Anyway, whatever. And we've got Chris who says, just managed to listen to the podcast on shooting. I'm not too quick with all this technical stuff. Thought it was well presented and you played devil's advocate very well. Well balanced and and informative. I thought we'd have more negative stuff. So if you've got any feedback that you want to share with us about the podcast on shooting, number 53, please get back to us. And we've got the other one here, which says, this is from Randy Cowton, and he's an American listener in France. Met you through the Naked Scientist podcast. Been listening to yours every week since then. Great and interesting stuff. Ah, and this is a question. For you, Rich. I've recently moved to a home with a larger garden and I'm thinking about composting more of our household waste. Until now, we've limited the compost material to raw vegetables, peelings and tea bags due to limited space. Now I would like to go completely wiggly. And compost as much as possible. However, I found some sources which recommend avoiding any cooked vegetables, meats and dairy products as these attract rats and other natural, although less desirable, visitors. Could you please tell me your version of the truth on this subject? 
Thanks for your interesting podcast. Keep up the wonderful work. Well, Rich? I think, actually, and I've responded as well and said that we might be mentioning it, that comments on this podcast. But, well, there are a couple of things that you can do, and certainly it's worth avoiding putting cooked food in compost heaps. Definitely, definitely cooked meats. It's decomposes in it, putrefies, it's smelly, and it really does attract rats and things. So it's worth avoiding. You can get a green cone that I mentioned, but the I problem, hate the, those. Yeah, well, it, they, they kind of work, but you don't get anything out of them. You don't get anything from it, you know, other than just being able to dispose of your waste. You don't get anything from it. This year, we, we've talked about it previously, but this year I've, I've used Bokashi a lot. I, I guess it's in the kind of early stages yet. I won't really be able to, to be able to see what sort of difference it's made in the garden. But from uh, other case studies, Bokashi is an absolute fantastic thing to do in order to be able to compost your household waste and all your household waste. Well, including the meat. Including meat. The only thing perhaps you wouldn't, you can't do is put bones in there because no matter what you do with bones, they're still going to be bones for, for many, many years. You know, you can dig up a bone out of the garden, an old cow's femur or something that's been around for 40 years. So, you? well, you, you could. <laughs> you could. I mean, it, you know, unless, Good unless, laws. It not your garden. But when you've treated waste with bokashi, it makes all those minerals available to plants. And the plants are taking those up and in turn they're consumed by people. One thing that our diet lacks through forced growth, conventional agriculture, is a lot of the food produced from unhealthy soil has very few vitamins and minerals and antioxidants. So when you eat that food, even though it's good for you, uh, even though it's better than eating a big or something, there's not that much goodness in it. But if you're improving the health of the soil, then that just gets... Uh, passed on to you, to the vegetables and the plants that you're growing in the soil, so it's well worth doing. Farmer Phil? It's worth adding that Bokashi, the fermentation process that Bokashi instigates, rats and mice hate it. They won't go near it. Do you um, know that mm. from experience? Well, there's two things I know, is that in our experience in making Bokashi, we don't have any problems with rats and mice going anywhere near it in the farm context. Yeah. But I also know that in the context of treating household waste in Tower Hamlets in London, that they have found it to be an absolute transformation in their problem of getting the waste from tower blocks of flats to a sort of semi-centralised composting system. In the past, this attracted rodents and, and they had terrible problems. And when they put Bokashi in the system, it did away with all that at a stroke. And so that adding Bokashi both to your garden and even to your conventional composting system mm. deters them. I won't say it gets rid of them completely, but it certainly deters them, and it's worth pointing out. Uh, Rich and I have been doing this application to go for this Shell Springboard Award, which uh, will help us get Bokashi, we think, into office space. And the more I did it, the more I thought, do you know what, if each office had one of these things, you could take just thousands of tonnes of waste out of the waste stream because everyone goes to work, don't they, with their bananas and their leftover meaty sarnies and all that sort yeah. of thing. The more I started to think about it, the more I thought, if you can actually do it where you are rather than carting waste around all the time, it'd be so cool. I would, absolutely. To make some, you know, the, the beneficial implications are enormous, absolutely enormous. But it's a good thing to do because it's really interesting as well. It's yeah. a really good way. But you can sprinkle Bokashi on the garden. You know, in, in forests in, uh, in Southeast Asia, Bokashi has been used to increase the amount of biodiversity in, in, on, on forests. Literally, all they've done is go on, sprinkle the Bokashi bran, or probably rice husks, I expect, mm. sprinkled it on the forest floor, and they found that that has stimulated plant growth and encouraged much greater diversity of species. So. Young Jodie has done the very same thing. Has she? At our flower patch. Oh, so fantastic. Yeah. Sprinkled a bit of the cashew on, and we'll see if yeah. that makes any difference. 
They've also put a lot of Oscar's manure on. Do you want diverse plants coming up in the plant patch? <laughs> <laughs> Lots of dandelions. Well, and, I think I'll just add you know, to the whole thistle. soil, oh, won't it? look, it's actually great. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I would say about it, it does, it does seem to get rid of um, vermin. Yeah, it discourages rats, for sure. But there are instances where dogs, for instance, <laughs> as I found out, ah. when I buried it in my garden, the, uh, the little terriers have, been, have tried to dig it up a couple of times and, and eat do. it. Yeah. Yeah, Probably so does them a lot of good. Quite possibly, yeah. And then we landed, so I got her in the baggage department. Here we go. Now, the thing is, we were cut off then because we had to board the plane. Right. So now we're at the other end in Birmingham. So what I want to know, Caroline, we were talking about leaf mark. Can you just explain that to the listener? Yes, sure. What we've tried to do is very much put across the whole journey for farmers to deliver sustainable agriculture. And that's taken us from demonstration farms, from providing technical information for farmers, right now to really giving an opportunity for consumers to buy into a little bit of what farmers are doing. Those farmers have gone the extra mile for caring for the environment. And that's really what the leaf mark encompasses. I mean, it, it's very much, it does what it says on the food, really. Yeah. It's linking environment and farming. I think where it's unique is, well, obviously it works very closely with the other farm assurance schemes, which are very much geared towards food safety standards. What it does is add that little bolt-on bit for the environment. Where it's unique, it covers the whole farm, and so, you know, farmers don't compromise, but at the same time, it's very logical for farmers. So from that point of view, it's, it's great. It's in quite a few major retailers now. Uh, Waitrose have it, and Fresh and Wild, which is a relatively new retailer, is also a very keen supporter. Traditionally an organic, purely an organic retailer, it's now obviously also selling Leafmark produce and you can see it uh, increasingly on things like Burt's Crisps and Farrington Oils and things like that which have really those farmers uh, who believe that, you know, we've got something special here and we're proud of it and that's really what it's all about it's, it's giving that opportunity to shout about it. And can you go and, you know, buy the food and then go and visit the farm then? Yes well, not necessarily the farmer that you bought the food from and we've got uh, demonstration farms really geared up towards visits and things like that but you can there's two ways you can actually if there's a little website address and a number you put that website address and the number in it takes you straight to the farmer that has produced the leaf mark produce and not a generic farmer i hope Uh, uh, the proper real man yes yes, and woman (laughs) and uh, what you can also do though if you want to visit a demonstration farm then we're geared up for that and you know contact leaf really and and we can put you in touch with the right farmer really in your area it's important that all the farmers are really geared up you know they're busy people farmers and it takes a lot of effort obviously (laughs) getting people around and arranging visits and things but presumably if you've got a group of you say you've got the wi or perhaps you know a school group then that's worth it rather than an individual yes so get together very much so yes individuals can always join on the on the group really so to speak but uh, no ideally a group because um, again you know people get more interaction from bigger discussion really and the farmers love it as well and Farm Sunday this year. Tell yes. us about that because that was your idea, I think. Well, it was in fact one of our demonstration farmers. Uh, he'd gone over and did a Nuffield scholarship over in Denmark, and they they celebrate every year a special Farm Sunday. And we thought, right, well, we'll give it a go. And we thought maybe we'll get about 150 or so farmers. Yeah. And we didn't. We got over 300 farmers, which was brilliant. Wow. And an average of 100 visits. So that's 30,000 people going out and celebrating about farming all on one day, which. This 
this year was the 11th of June, but next year, 2007, it'll be the 10th of June. So 10th of June? 10th of June, And how many farms are you aiming to open on that well, day? we will hope, our target is for a 1,000, so we really hope that, you know, one, we'll get lots of farmers celebrating and, and wanting to share it with us, and, and also, obviously, you know, get the public round, which is what it's all about. Okay, so here for you, listener, is the commitment from Laura Blakemere. We couldn't do it last year because it was Grand Grand's birthday. No. And it was very <laughs> special. We went to London, but this year, on the 10th, 10th of June, June the we 10th can June. commit. So Brilliant. we will be open. Brilliant. Thank yes. you very much, Caroline, for the day. We've had a great day at the AGM. Was there anything that you picked up from the day? Because you gave so much information out and we we enjoyed so many talks. Was there anything that came back? I think there were there were several things actually. Was there something that you said, Heather, that really was I think very pertinent? Where was the food source for lunch? And it wasn't local produce. And I think that was a, a good message for Oak Ridge College as well as obviously ourselves requesting it. But it's it's difficult, you know. Everyone's on tight budgets, and it's uh, it's sourcing these things. But it, it is something that you know we're always keen to really try and commit with. But it's important. We've got to practice what we preach. There were one or two other, well, I think the farmers were great. They really demonstrated how they put integrated farming into practice. And, and also, it was lovely to hear their commitment towards LEAF, because that means a lot to us as well. Yeah. You know, we want to be making sure we're doing the right thing for our members. We had uh, this uh, lady who's the um, food and health coordinator up in Scotland with an incredible role to try and improve the health and reduce obesity in Scotland, but really focusing on how there is a great opportunity in schools to really make sure that we've got right procurement, but children are feeling the food, you know, getting much more involved in the making and sharing experience and sitting down and sharing meals and things like that. It's a great video, wasn't it? It was. It was wonderful. <laughs> wonderful video from Italy. <laughs> thank you very much. No, and thank I wish you. you well. Thank you. Hello. Hi, Rich. Nice to see you. Hello. First time I've seen you since you're oh, a bit yeah. of a hiccup. Yeah, <laughs> hiccup. Yeah, yeah. That's a lovely way of putting it, isn't it? Yeah, it's very nice. But stunning crash. Well, we've had a couple of chats on the phone, haven't we? You, yeah, what you, you sent me an email on <laughs> Tuesday saying to, like my lovely, to my lovely quad bike instructor. Quad, lovely quad bike instructor, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very fetching shirt you've got on as well, Rich. Nice <laughs> pink <laughs> colour, listener. Why do you think so? Not buttoned right to the bottom, sort of, mm, I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> Thank is it you. a girl shirt? Can I have it? <laughs> <laughs> the reason you like it, Al, is because I bought it. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. I got it for Farmer Phil, but he didn't like it, so I thought, oh, I'll give it Rich. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Nice. I like it. No. I don't care what anybody else says. You never do, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> what have you brought in, Alison? <laughs> I have brought in wooden enemy, as you can see. There's no, we can't not see. Not much in the pot. So here I am, kneeling at the wiggly table, empty in the pot. And this time of year, it just looks like this, as I scrape it out of the compost. It's just like a rhizome you buy this time of year, and that's it. There you go. Yeah. That's it, and is it? Yeah, there's all loads and loads of different little sticks. Oh, I see. Um, shooting out new growth, look. Right, right. Um, and then in the spring, it'll shoot up new leaves, and it'll have a lovely white little flower on. They're beautiful but wooden enemies. You can make loads out of this pot, actually, Rich. What a bargain. Absolutely, oh, yeah, yeah. Look at it all. <laughs> and loads and loads yeah. of roots. So, so that's is about that it. each so can... individual plant? How many have you got in there, Well, though? there's like one, two, not guaranteed, three, four, is it? five, six plants you can make out of this pot, actually. Yeah. 
They're fantastic. People, yeah, people. So very easy to divide, really. If people want yeah, to, yeah. If you want to divide, but as soon as you um, bought your plant, you can easily do that. So uh, what do they no look problem. like? Um, well, it's got a um, green foliage, little leaf, quite a pretty little leaf. It's found all over the woodland floor. Yeah. And then it has a little white flower, uh, with about five or six petals. It's sort of um, perfect thing isn't it yeah it's very sweet looking and it's probably one of the earliest flowers found in well one of the earliest flowers found in a woodland situation it starts flowering from march onwards so it's an ideal one to plant now ready for your shady shady spots really shady spots and found under in ancient woodlands not so much in new plantings of course but um you you can buy them so will they take well in most gardens they will take um, well in most gardens they like sort of a moist area um sunny or shady, but they will tolerate a dry soil as well. Right, right. Mm. So fairly, fairly flexible then. Yeah. You, How got tall is it, Al? They grow up to about 15 centimetres. That's the maximum, really. To about 8 inches. Of course, we're metric. 15 centimetres. Yes. Well, the, uh, they're not tall, are they? But they do, I suppose they do provide a good ground cover. Michael says it's six inches. Sorry, listener. <laughs> six inches, yeah. yeah. Oops. So, but they're, they're, I mean, they're very pretty. At home, you know, you, when you walk up through the woods in the spring, there are lots and lots of wooden enemies in the deciduous woodland. Absolutely beautiful they are. And, then, and lots of the banks are completely covered in them. Yeah. It's a really nice plant. They, do, they do seem to spread quite well. And it's uh, one of our newer plants in the Wiggly catalogue, really. So it's quite good fun having new plants in, isn't it? So That's not peat you've got there, is it, Alison? No, it's coir. Right. Based compost with added fertilizer. Uh, so Heather. we're peat free now, aren't we? Yes, we are. That's fine. <laughs> I tell you what, I found online was the natural history postcode plant thing. Have right. you found that? Mm-hmm. Go to Natural Not History sure, Museum yeah. and no. you can pop in your postcode and find all the plants that are native in your region. Right. So right. all the local plants. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. Oh, Massive list for HR2. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There we are. That rounds up this week's Plant of the Week Wooden Enemy. Would you like to give us the um, Latin name for it, Al? I would. It is Anemone nemorosa. Oh, I thought it was Ranuncula cuquae quiquinfolia. That might be a hybrid one of them because it is part of the Ranunculae. Fantastic. Common name, woodflower, windflower, nimbleweed and mayflower. Thank you very much. Lovely. Bye. Bye. Alison's rant. We have to have an Alison rant this week. What is it, Al? <laughs> My rant is probably greenies and the amount of the legislation and everything to do with farming. You're only allowed for one. Instance. I'm, no, I'm having another one. Right. Um, for instance, when I took my sheep to market the other day, I had to have a license to move them to the market. And then if you don't sell them, you have to get another license to bring them home from the market. And then when you arrive from the market home, you have to wash your stock trailer out within so many hours. Otherwise, you get fined. <laughs> it's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Is there someone to, to, to kind of check up to see whether you've washed yeah, your stock trailer round. out? Yeah, they come round. Yeah, they come round. They give you a ticket when you, once you've left the market. Why do they mind if you've washed your tra- trailer within... Because it, it all stemmed from foot and mouth. And all the stock trailers have to be clean now, but they only give you a certain amount of time. So, so you have to have it immaculately clean, otherwise if it's dirty, you're fined. Well, isn't that a good thing then? Or it is a good thing, but you have to do it in a certain time, and you just don't want to add in hassle of things, really, do you? And now tell us about your sheep um, win, your uh, mega moment in the world win. of I, swart balls. I sold eight <laughs> of them, yearlings, in, at the annual sale. Zort, bless. Of course. Sure. And I, yeah, right. I got one chap to show one of them. 
and um, it wasn't trimmed up or anything. It looked pretty out of the field, and all these others were trimmed up and looked lovely, and I was like, ooh, looks a bit scruffy, and then he borrowed someone else's white coat to show it, and I thought, oh, here goes. <laughs> and it did look quite nice in amongst the others, and anyway, it had fourth prize, Yay! which I thought was pretty good going for a first attempt. Yeah. But was- Never sold any in a market before either. So it was groovy. I was well impressed. So, I mean, the listener's going to want to know, how much did you get? Uh, How much did I get? That's what I said. How much did you get? For the fourth prize. No, not for the fourth prize. For per sheep, when you've sold them, how much did you... Well, they ranged... The fourth prize got 310, I think. The highest got 360. This is Guinness. Right, right. Um, and it Did you yeah. give luck money? Yeah, I gave luck money. Okay, do you know about luck money, Rich? No. Share it. Well, one one person got bought three of mine, so I gave him a tenner. So <laughs> Usually luck you money just give is, two or three pounds. Yeah, luck money is if you buy something, you go and ask the farmer who's selling it for luck money. Right. And then he gives you a couple of quid. It's just kind of... It's really, sad. really old-fashioned. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, nice, grandfather nice always used to do it. My I dad think it's quite it. nice to keep these things going, really. But and <laughs> I did. It is really sweet. And when I bought a ram a while ago, this lady gave me two pounds luck money. It's like... Oh, thank you. Farmer Phil is very sanctimonious about luck money. He doesn't agree with it. I think it's a (laughs) good age-old tradition. And I do. And my dad used to say that if you trimmed a sheep too much on its back, Mm -hmm. then it let all the water and snow in. It was a very bad thing. It's much better, even with a show sheep, to have a round back. And I agree with it. These sheep had little rugs on at the sale. Some of them just go flat. Rugs on a sheep? Yeah, little sheets to keep them black, stop them going grey in the... Son. Oh, for God's mm. sake. But I still had fourth prize, and I didn't trim mine, so that's cool. <laughs> so that's always, so I'm intrigued now, because I'm just wondering why these sheep are so much more expensive than your, than your average kind of, what are they, Texans or... Well, or they are Texels. 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 <laughs> Texels. <laughs> Mitch, you want to come farming <laughs> down on the farm one day? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't. Why the, not? Uh, the, <laughs> You do, actually, because you were going to get yeah. some sheep for your little paddock. And if I can go on your quad bike again. <laughs> <laughs> Typical, isn't it? So, yeah, so you haven't answered my question, though. Why, why do you get so much more? What, what's their Well, value? at the moment, they're a bit trendy um, because the, the society, they've only been in this country 10 years, so it's probably peaked. Right. Um, but saying that, there's so many new members. Like, when I joined six years ago, I was, like, 89 member, and now they've got over 300 members. And it's these new members that keep buying in. So it's market yeah. demand, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. But I know with I my dad's the... Suffolk. But I'm still wondering. I'm still wondering why they're worth. What 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 can you get out of them? Is a meat taste that much better? Is a coat really yeah, useful for making things out of? Yeah, they're supposed to be very lean, and they they are quick growing, quicker growing than our main flock. And we have done an experiment of crossing them with a North Country mule, and they produce quite good lambs, so you can fatten them quicker. Just and before a listener thinks it's a cross between a horse and a donkey, <laughs> she means a mule sheep. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, yeah. What are mules then? What's a, what's a mule sheep? Um, North Country mule, mule is just a normal sheep. It's not a, 
from Yule. <laughs> yes, not Yule, is it? No, it's a, on there, it they're quite. Is they're not really like suffix. Now. You know, when you get a black face suffix, and they're quite um, big and round, um, quite difficult to turn over when you're doing their feet, that sort of thing. The mule is a lot slimmer. They're supposed to be quite milky, and they do quite well on on this land down here. They've got Roman yeah. nose, haven't they? Slightly. Nose, yeah. The Borderlester, you're probably thinking. Ah, yeah. Yeah, we recently bought a hundred North Country <laughs> mules and they're lovely. Yeah, But they don't, people just imagine that when they see sheep, sheep on the hillside, that's what they're eating. That is the lamb that they're eating. But mm. there's, there's more to it than that, isn't there? Isn't there some this crossing going on? Yeah, farmers get the sheep well, from like, them, bring them down. Like with the Zwart Bless, you can cross, people have started on a commercial basis crossing the ram with their main flock to get a better growth rate of the <coughs> meat and it's working. Also, with pedigree anything, so when we used to have pedigree Suffolk sheep, yeah. their one ambition in life was to die. Right. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're bred and they're just they love not dying hardy sheep, enough. Right. But mm. if you put a Suffolk tup onto a different sort of sheep, then you've got a more hardy mm. sheep that grows quicker right. and looks cool. Right. You know, Suffolks right. are just gorgeous sheep. They're what you expect a sheep to look like, yeah. aren't they? Right. There we are. That's Sheep Talk for the week. Yeah. Alison's rant. We're going to have to come back to sheep, I think, at some stage. Yeah. Really Alison's rant is this week because we couldn't fit her in last week, so that's why we've let her have a rant. So there we are. Thanks, Al. Bye. Bye, Al. So this luck money business, we, we've never paid it, I must admit. I call me tight, but I just think it's a... Tight. A, <laughs> a discount. <laughs> And uh, obviously the other reason that we don't very often get reason to pay it is that we don't use livestock markets because we sell everything privately. That's right, that's um, right. But uh, I've always thought that it was a bit harsh to agree a price for your animal and then have the customer <laughs> demand <laughs> more <laughs> and in cash as well. It does seem completely unreasonable to me, I've got to say. But there, I know there is a, a long history to it, not that I know it. but Well, it, thank you, Tight, for that. <laughs> <laughs> Farmer tight. I've just had the most exciting headline to an email I've ever had in my life come in and I've just got to open it while we're on the show. The headline is from the Farmers Weekly Interactive and it says, subject, NFU solves farmer's weight problem. <laughs> Can't wait. Which weight problem? What do you mean? Well, I the weight for, the, uh, for their rural payments or the weight? No, weight also, as in W-E-I-G-A. Yeah. Combine harvesters too long. Yeah, so oh, this right. is it for me. That's I'm going bit. here to solve my <laughs> weight problem. That's a bit harsh, isn't it? <laughs> Given that you commented <laughs> not ten <laughs> minutes ago how sylph-like I was looking this morning. <laughs> yeah, oh, you do look well, Phil, I've got to say. Yeah, I don't know whether you've been running around the, the yard a bit more than usual. Oh, um, no. It's not for humans. It says the NFU has won what looks like a valuable victory for the red meat sector. DEFRA has agreed that the practice of rounding down when weighing meat carcasses should end. Oh, I thought we were going to have this pill that made us thin as farmers. What does rounding down mean, Phil? I don't know, to be honest. Well, I mean, obviously I know what it means, but I didn't know, I'm not, because, again, we never sell yeah. anything fat, so it's not, not an issue to me, so no. I, don't, I don't know. I, I shall have to find out. Yeah. There you go, yeah. I've got it. Oh. It's now been agreed that farmers should be given an accurate weight for their beef, sheep and pigs, rather than rounding down to the nearest half kilo. Oh. There we are. Oh. Excellent. They could be had up for that, you know. Hey, are we yeah, supposed, weight to, be, loss are we supposed to be looking at squirrels this week? 
<laughs> so we're supposed to be talking about the squirrels, aren't we? You like squirrels, don't we've you? We've got a great squirrel report coming up. We no, have I got a great squirrel report coming up, which yeah. we have promised for several weeks now. Yeah. But I'm glad to say it's in the bag. The That's squirrels in the bag. <laughs> well, it's the best place where all grey squirrels is. <laughs> so next week we have Philippa from Save Our Squirrels on the show, guaranteed. Brilliant. And so it's goodbye from the Bye. Wiggly Sofa. Bye from me. Bye-bye. It really does put something back into the soil. It stimulates the soil life. You know, it makes all those nutrients so much more accessible to the, to the plant growth. And it just increases the amount of minerals uh, and, and uh, antioxidants that, 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 and, that... Sorry, what was he doing there? <laughs> Phil, why are you waving in an incredibly stupid manner? I I was trying to subtly impression of of Queen Elizabeth II in in the window. Subtly, I used to Michael doing it behind us. Yeah, (laughs) I mean you completely lose the track. Come in, Farmer Phil. How may we help you? I was trying to subtly indicate. Podchef is coming on the show in a couple of weeks' time and he's talking about his bukashi and how he uses it out in Washington. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. wow. I wonder yeah. what he meant about HFW. HFW. Do they? No. Stay yeah. on me. No idea. Not a, no, not a clue. Not a clue. No. There we are. Chief Foley Whittingstall! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, wow! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I thought I had to break the silence. <laughs> it was a bit more of a pause than me. <laughs> was that a theatrical pause there, Rich? <laughs> theatrical pause. It was. I was waiting for Heather to say, "I'm not going to steal Heather's thunder." Are you going to be in the next post-players <laughs> production? You're not waiting for me to say it. <laughs> Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I had forgotten it again. <laughs> oh, dear me. There we are.